Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. God wants me this, this morning for me to speak about value, the value that God places on us. You see, one of the, one of the realities about Christianity, about being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is that in one hand, we sin, we stuff up, and as Brett was sharing, disciples even fell asleep. Not technically a sin, but in no circumstances, totally. On one hand, we sin and we stuff up, yet on the other hand, we're highly, enormously valued by our Creator God. It's ridiculous, really, that God would bestow upon us such value but he does and it's this value we're going to look at because this morning because how we relate to God's value of us how we grasp it how we understand it how we believe it how we own it will affect how you value yourself and how you will value others it's as simple as that but it's in that order. We, we find our value from God, not in the person next to us, not the person we measure up to. Now, there's a difference between value, being valued, and being valuable. valuable. There's a difference. We are both to God, we are both valued and valuable to God. As valuable as agents for his kingdom. And he's placed us here to be part of his kingdom. But as humans and as human organizations, we tend to get this a bit mixed up. We get valuable and valuable, valued and valuable distorted. And okay, let me illustrate. I met my wife, Elaine. And I married her not because she was valuable to me for producing children. I no, I valued her because I loved her. And I valued her. That's why I married my, my lovely wife. And yes, the children came as a byproduct of that. I don't want to say any more because there's one of them sitting here this morning, so I have to, don't want to embarrass him. They came as a byproduct of our love and our value for each other. And also the fact that there was, we didn't have we didn't have Foxtel, Netflix, or uh, Apple TV in those days. There were only three channels, I think, BBC, ITV, and BBC Two or something like that. No, only joking. But we as humans, we get this skewed. We can put valuable before value. Organizations get it wrong. You know, they consider staff to be valuable assets. And only until they really prove themselves do they become valued. But to God, we are both valued and valuable. And that never, never, never changes. No matter, no matter what our rank or role or station in life, that does not. That fact does not change. God values us even before we become valuable agents for his kingdom. He values us before. And God still values us even though we stuff up. 
even when the ugliness of our actions and our thoughts and words make us dirty and damaged. Next month, uh, October the 18th to be exact, the, uh, Royal, the Reserve Bank of Australia are rolling out a new $50 note. Did you know? It's got all the new uh, added security features and different people in the front, pictures in the front of it. But the existing ones will still hold their value. You'll still be able to use your, still legal, legal tender. The old notes will still have their value. I'm going to go on to their, to their website. Um, actually, they, the Reserve Bank provides what they call a damaged banknotes facility. Did you know that? A, a damaged banknotes facility, a facility that provides for people that have damaged notes and so they don't come to any financial loss if they get their notes damaged, whatever. But I thought of that term, a damaged banknotes facility. And I was thinking, that sounds... You know, could that be a name for a church? Because it sounds a bit like what we, a damaged person facility. New Spring, damaged persons facility, because that's what we do. We accept people as they are. We, they come in here. They're accepted, they're loved, and they're introduced to Jesus who restores their value, their value back to them. A damaged person facility. <laughs> I can just see it up there. New Spring, live the love, a damaged person's facility. I'm only joking. Don't be telling Dave that, please. Don't. He's probably hearing that thing there. But, but anyway, bank to bank notes. Um, I remember as a kid, um, my mom worked in a department store and she would get paid weekly and she got a pay packet with a roll of notes inside it. And she came home one day and she set, uh, she set the um, pay packet somewhere within reach of our rescued mongrel hound who, believe it or not, happened to be called Dingo. Yeah, Dingo, yep. I mean, was that prophetic or what? You know, that I end up in Australia, I had a dog called Dingo. Yeah, no, I, think it was, I, watched, I watched a lot of Skippy when I was the bush kangaroo when I was a kid. But anyway, the, dogs, the dog found something attractive in the smell of these notes. And of course, yeah, he had more than a smell at it. He grabbed it and ran off with it, had a good chew of it, and couldn't catch him. Eventually got him, we pinned him down. It was a big dog, a pointer hound thing, and uh, we managed to prize the, uh, this, this bundle, this gooey bundle of mess out, for, out of his mouth, you know, all covered in slobbers and chewed up paper. They were a mess. My mum got them dried out as best she could, and off she went to the... To, to the uh, what do you call it, the uh, damaged uh, notes facility uh, from the Bank of Ireland. And um, because these notes could be identified, because they still had their numbered, they still had value. God knows our names, each and every one of us. We all have an identity. See, if you've given your life over to Jesus, your name is actually written in heaven. You have an identity in heaven. And that won't change. No matter what happens to you or what you do here on earth, that will never change. Your value in heaven will never change. Now, I know I'm, I'm probably speaking to majority Christians in, the, in here, but if you're not, and if you know you're not, or if you don't know you're not, know this, 
when we talk about, about on one hand, this, this, this sin uh, stuffing up um, on one hand and yet having value on the other, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? No, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make sense to me. Karma makes more sense. You know, the law of karma. The law of karma that says, you know, you reap what you sow, what you put in, you get back. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, every action an equal and opposite reaction. You know, that's, that's karma. But karma is at the core. Karma is the core, basically, of all religions and a lot of Hollywood movies, too. Karma is the core of a lot of religions, all religions except for one, Christianity. Because at the very core of Christianity is a cross. And on that cross, Jesus took your sin and he gives you value, he gives you back value. He takes your sin, he bears the pain and the punishment on his own body. And what he does is he gives back to you value. Doesn't make sense, but it's true. And the only explanation for this, the only word that I can come up with is the word grace. Unconditional, undeserved love that comes from God to us. We get this picture of grace, this love in the broken soul of King David. You know King David? Way back in the Bible, no Testament times. And he wrote this one particular psalm, and it was towards the end of his life, and he was reflecting on on, uh, on his past. It's, it was written, most, a lot of psalms are written for public worship. And we sing modern day psalms, just like what we've been doing today. Singing, God, singing God's truth out loud, declaring what is true, that he is Lord. Declaring his truths, his character, his love for us. But this was a story that, this was a personal reflection, a, a, a prayer basically between David and God. It's in Psalm 139. And there are four truths in the psalm that speak to our intrinsic value. Number one, God knows you. God knows you. Number two, God pursues you. Number three, God made you. And number four, God has plans for you. So I'm going to... Uh, take it in, in, in sections of about six verses, and we're just going to go through it systematically. And we'll read, begin reading um, the first six verses of Psalm 139. I've got it in the NLT. Your Bible might be different. I think we have it in the NLT here. Yep. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. <clears throat> you know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. It's like in each of these verses, God is rolling out layer upon layer of his knowledge of you, layer upon layer of his God's knowledge for you. 
God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your fears. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows your dreams. He knows your frustrations. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He understands you and he loves you. And this knowledge of you becomes active because he is going before you and he is going behind you. He's following you. It's not passive. God's love is active. And he guides us and he protects us in all the circumstances in life. And God is always active in our lives, even at times we don't see it. And when David says that God places his hand of blessing upon him, he's referring to this ancient uh, Jewish practice of bestowing the, the blessing on someone. Fathers, a wise father and a Jewish would do that for their children. Um, they would place their hands on them and speak words of life over them. They would speak words into their lives about who they are, who they will be, what their place in the family meant, how valued they were, and what their future will be too. That's what bestowing, that's what placing the hand of blessing means. And in the same way, God does that for us. And in some way, David, David's David's head had to catch up with his heart. His spirit got it, though his head couldn't take it in. He said, this is all beyond me, verse 6. This is all beyond me. It's actually too wonderful for me. I'm unable to understand it. That's the first point. God knows you, each and every one of us. He knows us. Second point, God pursues you. I'm going to read verses 7 to 12. Verse 7, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the winds of the mornings, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. In this portion, these six verses, David, is, he's wrestling with his own humanity. He, you know, he's been able to, to live up to his own expectations of himself and the own expectations of God upon him. And his first instinct is often the same as ours. He wants to run. Where can I hide, he says. He knows all about me. He knows I'm a hypocrite. He know, he's heard my lies. He saw what I did last week. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? And even this fear of, of total exposure before God even gets him to, to think about some secret place, to some place, a geographical location, he could actually go there to run away, but he can't. It's because God pursues us. God pursues us with his love. And the reason for that pursuit is the value God places upon our lives, as he, as he did in David's life. He says, he tracks my path. He's after me. But the thing is, what David knew was, he's not after me to, to point out all my faults, to catch me at, at something wrong, to exact justice for me, to punish me. God's actually after us because he's determined to give us more grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. 
God is, pursues us, chases us to give us grace. Even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. God is a pursuer. One of the favorite, verse, favorite um, worship songs at the moment, um, Reckless Love, you may have heard of Bethel Music, Corey Ashby. Um, beautiful song. It's a song about um, Jesus leaving the 99 sheep and pursuing just one. And he calls it Reckless Love. Um, and interestingly, the song begins with this. Um, when I, when, before, you, this is, he's speaking to God. He's worshiping God. He says, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. God delighting in us, singing over us, bestowing blessing upon us, even before we uttered our first words. And that leads me into the third point, that God made you. God made you. Verse 13 down to 16. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was let out before a single day had passed. <clears throat> in the first verse here, verse 13, where it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. The word, uh, the Hebrew word here used to make or to create is actually, actually means to acquire, to possess, or to purchase, to buy. That's what the root word is, to, to acquire a possession. So and, and in God's, so in the case of the Lord, the creator, what it's actually saying that is that God uh, made us to enjoy creative possession. God created us to enjoy creative possession. God made us so that he can enjoy us. Does that kind of blow your mind? God actually made us so he could enjoy us. And it's true that every embryo is a created possession of the Lord with days planned way ahead. A life which is ordained in heaven and yet lived out on earth. A life ordained in heaven, lived out on earth. And that's true of every embryo that is ever, that God creates. And you know that there's no one in history ever like you or ever will be like you. God, the old phrase, he broke the mold, applies when he made us. He gave you a personality, ability, spiritual gifts, a particular purpose that sets you apart for him and from others for his creative, possessive purposes. That leads us to the fourth point, verses 16 to 24. God has plans for you. God has plans for you. Verse 16b says, Every moment 
was led out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me. How precious. Oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Let me skip to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I believe that what David is saying of himself, the Holy Spirit is saying about us. That the script of your life was already written by God and every detail has been mapped out by Him. Every circumstance is tailored, boundaries established, opportunities for His glory. I mean, He's the one that created you for His purpose, for His pleasure, for His glory. And alongside that, He's given us free will. Knowing that we will make mistakes, knowing that we will stuff up, knowing that we will fall asleep when we should be on watch. But in His sovereignty, He can even make our mistakes when we turn them over to Him, turn out for His glory. And God doesn't, doesn't just set this plan in motion and look the other way. It's not like He created the earth and like a, one big clock and wound it up and then absence himself from, from, from the universe creation. God is actively involved in this world and in each and every one of us. Do you know, I, I listened to um, this, this, the, um, I can't remember the name of it, but Sarah Young. She does devotional readings and I listen to one every morning. They're only a few minutes. But it gives, it just reinforces that um, his thoughts are with us. He greets us each morning with a fresh new mercy and fresh new opportunities, ready to go through you all the hours of the day. God actually loves our company. Do, 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 we, get, do we really appreciate it? I don't. It's, it's, it's taken a long time for me to actually realize that God actually likes my company. Do you know why that is? It's because he values us. And we don't value ourselves enough because we don't place, we don't see God's value on us. It works against us. If you don't put the first things first, if you don't see God's value for us, how much he loves us, he values enough to go to a cross and die for us. I mean, is that not, does that, do you need to say anything more? God values us so much that he wants to spend time with us. He wants like a child to run into his father's lap and spend time with him. Which is like the, the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. It's a picture of adoration of a child running into his father's lap just to spend time with him. The shopping list can come after, but first and foremost, God just wants us. He wants us. 
The final verses of the psalm are this David's conclusion in the prayer where he says, Search me, test me, point out in me, and lead me. Because if God doesn't set the plan in motion, you know, God the other way, then he must be actively involved in our lives. And we have to be active along with that too. God has creative purposes for you. And he has specific plans for you. The specific plans for me will be different from what they are to Colin, from what they are to Elaine, from what they are to Trevor. Specific purpose, specific plans for each and every one of us. Different stages in our lives. But overarching all of this, these plans will, one, that in that plan which plays out, number one is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These plans will include that you seek, well, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These plans will include the fact that you are commanded to share in the commission of the good news, to spread the good news, the commission in Matthew 28. And these plans are also under overarching all this is that you are to live a holy and a God-honoring life. This is, this is the path of everlasting life that David calls us to, to, to search me, know me, test me, know my anxious thoughts, and Lord, point out anything in me that offends you, because if it offends God, it's going to offend other people too, you know, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, if you're following the Bible, and you've noticed that I've skipped a couple of verses there, verses 19 to 22, which uh, speaks about David's enemies. It's like this interaction has been between God and him about um, his life, reflecting on his life. And then he takes a sort of a sideways glance and makes reference to the enemies that have plagued him throughout his, throughout his and, he, and he speaks of them with a, a righteous, a godly, a godly hatred. And, and um, he uses that word hatred which is actually strong words. But when we consider, if you put place the holiness of God and sin, the distance between them is just, you can't measure. They, they, they two are completely incompatible, which is why it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God still values us when we stuff up does it? Only for this one thing called grace. Only the fact that Jesus came and took that on his own body. He took our sin and he gives us back value. He gives us a life to live, a life, a, a life in abundance. And we don't have to work for it. We don't earn it. We don't even have to understand it. We just have to receive it. It's as simple as that. I don't know where you stand with God today, whether you know him, whether you don't know that you don't know him. But it's as simple as that. Please, just believe that it's as simple as that. You don't need to understand it fully. I didn't understand it fully. 
36 years ago. It's a bit like the, like the, um, the story of the lepers. The, that um, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. It's like I, I, had, I had heard this word and thought, I had prayed a prayer and said, okay, God, if you're real, then make this known to me. I didn't fully understand it. And if I was honest, probably didn't fully believe it. I was kind of testing. Kind of, was, is this real or not? But yet the very fact that when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, a wise old Christian person said, um, see what you've done? Very good. But what, you're not, what you need now is to do is go and tell somebody. So it was actually in that process or in that, those steps that I took to go and tell somebody that I'd become a Christian then when I, I believe that God, I received God's Spirit and that's when God's Spirit came into my life and I was saved. I became a citizen of heaven. I had that value. I didn't fully understand it all. No, and you don't have to. You just receive. But here David's speaking to his enemies. I'm speaking to God about his enemies. And he's strong in his words and kind of the tone that David is setting here kind of emphasizes the tone that we need to be against the enemies of our soul, the word, the flesh, and the devil. And they'll come in all, all shapes and sizes and designs and insidious acts to try and pull us down, to distract us from from God they'll try to tell us our value that we they try to devalue us and tell us that because of what we've done we're never going to be any use for God we're not good enough at this not good enough at that you stuffed up here you fell asleep whatever rubbish there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God or the, nothing you can separate you from the blessings the grace and the favor that God can give to your life right here and now. Do you believe that? Because I do. It's true. It's true. David has strong words for his enemies. We need to have too. We need to be bold in prayer. Stand firm. You know that the church, the Christian church advanced on its knees. The Crusades done nothing. The Crusades yeah, don't need to go there. The church advances on its knees. The church, and that means that's that signifies the strong emphasis on where we need to be with prayer as we move forward. For the next 50 years in this church, these kids that are going to be the next leaders, then in 10 years' time they'll be up there, they'll be they'll be here. Yeah. We need to go advance on our knees. I'm gonna ask. The, the band are up. I was going to ask them to come up. Just remember, God knows you. God pursues you. He made you. He has plans for you. And He's ready to live out each and every one of these plans with you every day. Will you allow this truth I know it's coming with an Irish accent. It's a bit weird. Okay, well, you had an African accent. The, 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 
earlier on today, so it comes in all shapes and forms. But it's truth. The truth is that God knows you. God pursues you. He will continue to pursue you. He loves you. He has plans for each and every one of you. Are you ready to live out those plans with him? Fully, fully committed? With your hands emptied of all that, all that stuff that, we, that Brett talked about, that we need to let go of? To empty ourselves of all that and stand before God with empty hands, waiting for him to fill them? You have enormous value. God you have enormous value to yourself and you have enormous value to others if you need to talk about this after we're here but let's pray Father this whole psalm that we offer to you Lord, you made us for yourself and our hearts will not find rest until they find rest in you. Lord, you have placed so much value on each and every one of us. Lord, would you through this week help us to put our priorities right. Help us to know the value that you have over our lives. Help us to know that grace is free. Lord, bless these people here. They're not here by, by any, any accident. As you said in your word, Lord, every day is ordained. You set the boundaries. You set the times. You know where people live. God, we think we have free will. We can choose to do this, that, and the other. And the degree we have, Lord, yes. But you know these people here. You know every heart. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with each and every one here pursuing them into your kingdom pursuing them to greater things in your kingdom Lord to, to standing against the, the enemy when he accuses Lord this is our prayer here Lord we are all damaged persons and this is a damaged persons facility Lord this is a safe place to be we thank you that we can come here we thank you for your house, this church. God bless it and protect it. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, guys. Why don't we give Gareth a round of applause? Hey, we're going to finish with a song.